friends it's thursday today and i'm with mars sanin again today with day 45 and chapter 5 of the book 021 by peter thai and blake masters today we're going to talk about chapter 5 which says last movers advantage escaping competition will give you a monopoly but even a monopoly is only a great business it can endure in the future compare the value of the new york times company with the twitter each employer each employs a few thousand people and each gives millions of people a way to get news but when twitter went public in 2013 it was valued at 25 billion dollars more than 12 times the times market capitalization even though the times earned 133 million dollar in 2012 while twitter lost money what explains the huge premium for twitter the answer is cash flow this sounds bizarre at first since the times was profitable while twitter wasn't but a great business is defined by its ability to generate cash flow in the future investors ex- expect twitter will be able to capture monopoly profits over the next decade while newspapers monopoly days are over simply stated the value of a business today is the sum of all the money it will make in the future to pro- uh, properly value a business you also have to discount those future cash flow to their present worth since a given amount of money today is worth more than the same amount in the future comparing discounted cash flow shows the difference between low growth business and high growth startups starkests most of the value of low growth businesses is in the near term and old economy business like newspaper might hold its value if it can maintain its current cash flow for 5 to 5 or 6 years however any firm which close with close substitutes will see its profit competed away nightclubs or restaurants are extreme examples successful ones might collect healthy amount today but their cash flows will probably dwindle over the new uh, next few years when customers move on to newer and trendier alternatives technology companies follow the opposite trajectory they often lose money for the first few years it takes time to build valuable things and that mean delayed revenue most of tech companies value will come at least 10 to 15 years in the future present value cash flows of a business in the, is in decline in march 2001 paypal had it to make a profit but uh, our revenues were growing 100% year over year when i projected our future cash flow i found that 75% of the company's present value would come from profits generated in 2011 and beyond hard to believe for a company that had been in business for only 27 months but even that turned out to be an underestimation today paypal continues to grow at about 15% annually and the discounted rate is lower than a decade ago it now appears that most of the company's value will come from 2020 and beyond linkedin is another good example of a company whose value exists in the far future as of the early 2014 its market capitalization was 24.5 billion dollars very high for a company 
with less than 1 billion revenue and only 21.6 billion dollars million dollars in net uh, income for 2012 you might look at these numbers and conclude that investors have gone insane but the valuation makes sense when you consider linkedin projected future cash flow present value cash flow at a tech company like linkedin the overwhelming importance of future profit is counterintuitive even in silicon valley for a company to be valuable it must grow and endure but many entrepreneurs focus only on short term growth they have an excuse growth is easy to measure but durability isn't those who succumb to measurement mania always about weekly active user statistics monthly revenue targets and quarterly earning reports however you can hit those numbers and still overcome overlook deeper harder to measure problems than uh, that threaten the durability of your business for example rapid short term growth at both jenga and groupon distracted managers and investors from long term challenge jenga scored early wins with games like from philly and claimed to have a psychometric engine to rigorously gauge the appeal of new releases but they ended up with the same problem as every hollywood studio how can you reliably produce a constant stream of popular entertainment for fickle audience nobody knows groupon posted fast growth as hundreds of thousands of local businesses tried the product but persuading those businesses to become repeat customer was harder than they thought they thought if you focus on near term growth above all else you miss the most important question you should be asking will this business still be around a decade from now number numbers alone won't tell you the answer instead you must think critically about the quantitative characteristics of your business characteristics of monopoly what does a company with large cash flow for uh, far into the future looks like every monopoly is unique but they usually share some combination of the following characteristics proprietary technology network effects economics of scale and brand this isn't a list of boxes to check as you build your business there's no shortcut to monopoly have analyze Analyzing your business according to these characteristics can help you think about how to make it durable. Proprietary technology. Proprietary technology is the most substantive advantage a company can have because it makes your product difficult or impossible to replicate. Google search algorithm, for example, return uh, return results better than anyone else. Proprietary technology for extremely short page load times and highly accurate query auto complications add to the core search products robustness and defensibility it don't be very hard to for anyone to do uh, google what did to all the other search engine companies in the early 2000s as a good rule of thumb proprietary technology must be at least 10 times better than its closest substitute in some important dimensions to lead to a real monopolistic advantage anything less than an order of magnitude better will probably be perceived as a 
marginal improvement and will be hard to sell especially in an already crowded market the clearest way to make a 10x improvement is to invent something completely new if you build something valuable where the there are nothing before but there was nothing before the increase in value is theoretically infinite a drug to safety eliminate the need for sleep or a cure for baldness for example would certainly support a monopoly business or you can radically improve an existing solution once you are 10x better you escape competition paypal for instance made buying and selling e- uh, on ebay at least 10 times better instead of mailing a check that would be 7 to 10 days to arrive paypal let buyers pay as soon as an auction ended sellers received their proceeds right away and unlike with a check they knew the funds are uh, were good amazon made its first 10x improvement in a particularly visible way they offered at least 10 times as many books as any other post bookstores when it launched in 1995 amazon could claim to be earth's largest bookstore because unlike a retail bookstore that might stock 1 lakh books amazon didn't need to physically store in inventory it simply requested the title from the suppliers where uh, wherever a customer made an order the quantum improvement was so effective that a very unhappy barnes and noble filed a lawsuit 3 days before amazon's ipo claiming that amazon was unfairly calling itself a bookstore when really it was a book broker you can also make a 10x improvement through superior integrated design before 2010 tablet computing was so poor that for all practical purposes the market didn't even exist microsoft windows xp tablet pc editor products first shipped in 2002 and nokia released its own internet tablet in 2005 but they were a pain to use then apple released the ipad design improvements are hard to measure but it seems clear that apple improved on anything that had come before by at least an order of magnitude tablets went from unusable to useful second network effects network effects make a product more useful as more people use it for example if all of all your friends are on facebook it makes sense for you to join facebook or facebook too unilaterally choosing a different social media would only make you an eccentric Network effects can be powerful but you will never reap that unless your product is valuable to its very first user when the network is necessarily small for example in 1960 a quixotic company company called Zando set out to build a two way communication network between all computers a sort of early synchronous version of the world wide web after more than 3 decades of fertile effort zandu folded just the way was becoming com- common place their technology probably would have worked at scale but it could have worked only at scale it requires every computer to join the network at the same time and that was never going to happen paradoxically the network effects businesses must start with especially small markets Facebook started with just hardboard students mark jugensworth first uh, 
Mark's first product was designed to get all his classmates signed up, not to attract all people on offer. This is why successful network businesses really get started by MBA types. The initial market are so small that they often don't even appear to be business opportunity at all. Third, economics of scale. A monopoly business gets stronger as it gets bigger. The fixed cost of creating a product, engineering, management, office space can be spread over out over even even uh, ever greater quantities of scale software. Software starts startups can enjoy especially dramatic economics of scale because the marginal cost of producing another copy of the product is close to zero. Many businesses gain only limited advantages as they grow to large scale. Service business especially are different difficult to make monopolies. If you are uh, if you own a yoga studio for example you will only be able to serve a certain number of customers. You can hire more instructors and expand to more locations but your margin will remain fairly low and you will never reach a point where a core group of talented people can provide something of value millions of separate clients as software engineers are able to do a good startup should have the potential for greater scale build into the first design twitter already had more than 250 million users today it doesn't need to add too many customers customized features in order to acquire more and there's no inherent inherent reason why it should ever stop growing the fourth is branding a company has a monopoly on its own brand by definition so creating a strong brand is a powerful way to claim a monopoly today's strongest tech brand is apple the attractive looks and carefully chosen materials of products like the iphone and macbook the apple store's slick minimalist design and close control over the consumer's experience the omnipresent advertising campaign campaigns the price positioning as a market of premium goods and the lingering members of steve jobs personal charisma all continue to a perception that apple offers product so good as to constitute a category of their own many have had to learn from apple's success paid advertising branded stores luxury materials playful playful keynote speeches high high prices and even minimalist design are all susceptible to Im- imitation but these techniques for polishing the surface don't work without a strong underlying substance apple has a complex suit of proprietary technologies both in hardware like superior touch screen materials and software like touch screen interfaces purpose designed for specific materials it manufactures products at a scale large enough to dominate pricing for the material it buys and it enjoys a strong network effect from its content ecosystem thousands of developers write software for apple device because they that's where hundreds of millions of users are and those users stay on the platform because it's where the app are apps are these other monopolistic advantages are less obvious than apple's sparkling brand but they are the fundamentals that let the branding effectively reinforce apple's monopoly beginning with brand rather than substance is dangerous even since marisha mayer became ceo of yahoo in mid 2012 she has worked to revive 
the once popular internet giant by making it cool again in single tweet yahoo summarized myers plan as a chain of chain reaction of people that produ- uh, people then product then traffic then revenue people then products then traffic then revenue the people are supposed to come from the coolness yahoo demonstrated design awareness by over hounding howling its look it asserted youthful relevance by acquiring hot startups like tumblr and it has gained media attention from myers own start power but the big question is what products yahoo will actually create when steve jobs returned to apple he didn't just make apple a cool place to work he slashed products lines to focus on the handful of opportunities for telex improvement no technology company can be built on branding alone building monopoly brand scale network effects on technology in some combination define a monopoly but to get them to work you need to choose your market carefully and expand deliberately start small and monopolize every startup is small at the start every monopoly dominates a large share of its market therefore every startup should start with a very small market always err on the side of the starting too small The reason is simple. It's easier to dominate a small market than a large one. If you think your initial market might be too big, it almost certainly is. A small doesn't mean non-existence. We made this mistake by uh, early on at on at uh, PayPal. Our first product let people mean money to each other via palm pilots. It was interesting technology and no one else was doing it. However, the world's millions of palm pilots users weren't concentrated in a particular place they had little in common and they used their devices only episodically nobody needed our product so we had no customers with that lesson learned we set our sight on ebay auctions where we found out our first success in late 1999 ebay had a few thousands high volume power sellers and after only 3 months of dedicated efforts we were serving 25% of them It was much easier to reach a few thousand people who really needed our product than to try to compete for the attention of millions of scattered individuals. The perfect target market for a startup is a small group of particular people concentrated together and served by few or no competitors. Any big market is a bad choice and a big market already served by competing companies is even worse. This is why it's always a red flag when entrepreneurs talk about going 1% of a $100 billion market. In practice, a large market will either lack a good starting point or it will be open to competition. So it's hard to even reach that 1%. And even if you do succeed in getting a small foothold, you will have to be satisfied with keeping the lights on. Cutthroat competition means your profit will be zero. Scaling up Once you create and dominate a niche market, then you should gradually expand into the related and slightly broader markets. Amazon shows how it can be done. Jeff Bezos' founding vision was to dominate all of online retail, but he very deliberately started with books. 
there were millions of books to catalog but they all had roughly the same shape they were easy to ship and some of the, the most rarely sold books those least profitable for any retail store to keep in stock also to the most enthusiastic customers amazon became the dominant solution for anyone located from far from a bookstore or seeking something unusual amazon then had two options expand the number of people who read books or expand to adjacent markets they choose the latter starting with the most similar market series videos and software amazon continued to add categories gradually until it had become the world's general store the name itself brilliantly, brilliantly encapsulated the company's scaling strategy the biodiversity of the amazon rainforest reflected amazon's first goal of cataloging every book in the world and now it stands for every kind of thing in the world period ebay also started by dominating small niche market when it launched its auctions marketplace in 1995 it didn't need the whole world to adopt it at once the product worked well for intense interest group like bainy big abusive once it monopolized the bainy bay trade ebay didn't jump straight to listing sports cards uh, to listing sports cards or industrial services it continued to cater to small time hobbyists until it became the most reliable marketplace for people trading trading online on no matter what the item sometimes there are hidden obstacles to scaling a lesson that ebay has learned in recent years like all marketplace the auction marketplace lent itself to natural monopoly because buyers go where the sellers are and vice versa but ebay found that the auction model works best for individually distinctive products like wines and startups stamps it works less uh, well for commodity product people don't want to bid on pencil or, or uh, linux so it's more convenient just to buy them from amazon ebay is still a valuable monopoly it's just smaller than people in 2004 expected expected it to be sequencing markets correctly is underrated and it takes discipline to expand gradually the most successful companies make the core progression to first dominate a specific niche and then scale to adjacent markets a part of their founding narrative don't disrupt silicon valley has become obsessed with disruption originally disruption was a term of art to describe how a firm can use new technology to introduce a low end product at low prices improve the product over time and eventually overtake the even the premium products offered by incumbent companies using older technology this is roughly what happened with the advent of pcs disrupted the market for mainframe computers at first pcs seemed irrelevant then they became dominant today mobile devices may be doing the same thing to pcs however disruption has recently transmogrified into a self congratulatory watchword for anything posing as trendy and new the seemingly trivial fact matter became big because it distorts an entrepreneur's self understanding in an inherently competitive the concept was going to describe threats to incumbent companies so startups of vision with disruption means they see 
themselves through older forms formais if you think of yourself as an insurgent battling dark forces it's easy to become unduly fixated on the obstacles in your path but if you truly want to make something new the act of creation is far more important than the old industries that might not like what you create indeed if your company can be summed up by its opposition to already existing forms it can't be completely new and it's probably not going to be become a monopoly disruption also attracts attention disruption are people who look for trouble and find it disruptive kids uh, get sent to the principal's office disruptive companies often pick fights they can't win think of napster the name itself means trouble means trouble what kind of things can uh, one ma- nap music kids and perhaps not much else son fanny and seen parker napster's then teenage founder credibly threatened to disrupt the pow- powerful music recording industry in 1999 the next year they made the cover of time magazine a year and a half after that they ended up in bank- bankruptcy court paypal could uh, be seen as disruptive but we didn't try to directly challenge any large competitor it's true that we took some business away from visa uh, when we popularized internet payments you might use paypal to buy something online instead of using your visa card to buy it in a store but since we explained the market for payments overall we gave visa far more business than we took the overall dynamics dynamic we uh, was net profit unlike napster's negative sums struggling with the us recording industry as you craft a plan to expand to additional market don't disrupt avoid competition as much as possible the last will be first you are probably heard about first mover advantage if you are the first entrant into a market you can capture significant market share while competitors scramble to get started but moving first is a tactic not a goal what really matters is generating cash flow in the future so being the first mover doesn't do uh, you any good if someone else comes along and unseats you it's much better to be the last mover that is to make the last great development in a specific market and enjoy years or even decades of monopoly profits the way to do uh, that is to dominate a small niche and scale up from there towards your ambition am- ambitious long term vision in this one particular at least businesses businesses is like chess grandmaster john raul kaplanka put it well to succeed you must study the end game before everything else i repeat to to succeed you must study the end game before everything else so thank you very much friends it's vivek kumar signing off for today until we meet again on sunday with chapter 6 of book 0 to 1 where we'll talk about you are not a lottery ticket so stay tuned and we'll meeting soon thank you very much